Hey everyone, welcome back. Adam here, and I am excited to keep going through the Bible with you today. Uh, for those who are new, we are in the book of Nehemiah, one of the books of the Old Testament, and we will be focusing on chapter three, which you guys just read earlier. Now, uh, you will have noticed that it seems to be a long list of names with a lot of repetition. And if you didn't fall asleep, uh, or if you aren't taking a nap, then we actually have a lot to learn today out of this section of the scripture, which may or may not surprise you. Um, But uh, you may ask, why bother reading a long list of names and saying the same things over and over, like bolts and bars and so on? Why bother with that? And that's because, guys... um, All of scripture is God-breathed. There's a little letter in the New Testament towards the end of the book written to a guy named Timothy from a guy named Paul in which he says all of scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and training in righteousness and rebuke and reproof and building up and that kind of stuff. And uh, and so we read all of the scripture. and if you are a Christian, you may tend to zoom through parts of this and say, yeah, yeah, this guy and that guy and whoever and whatever, and they're doing some stuff, blah, 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 and you kind of go through them. But for me, it's a good time to slow down, close your eyes, reflect what's really going on here. And so you can read these things slowly and put yourself in the mood and the emotion and the perspective of somebody going through this and somebody in that time in the scripture. And uh, so why bother? Why bother reading a random list of names? And here we have 38 people named. We have a bunch of unnamed people and we have a bunch of teams of people. And so we have um, a lot to learn from both the named people, the unnamed people and the teams because God honors both individuals and he honors groups and teams of people. And if you could imagine, if you could imagine being one of these people, and reading this back in that day, say, wow, my my name's in the Bible. How cool is that? How cool is that? And I don't know if you guys know, but my name is in the Bible at the beginning. Adam. I guess we all kind of know how that story goes, didn't we? But anyways, uh, imagine if because you were willing to do the mundane hard work, your name was put into the scriptures. How cool would that be? How cool would that be? And that's because any work, any work, even the mundane, even the bolts and the bars and the digging the ditches done by regular people is if it's done for God's glory, the upbuilding of his people, um, it is sacred work. It's sacred work. And that's why these parts of scripture matter because you can learn Things like that simple truth from parts of the scripture like this. Any work done to God's God's glory is sacred work. And it's done by regular people. It's regular work. It's regular days. And it's ultimately meaningful, right? If you start Nehemiah chapter 1, right? And this often happens when we read the Bible. We start in places like Nehemiah chapter 1 or chapter 2. And we're like, wow, that's a miracle, The tyrant king agreed to that deal? That's crazy, right? And then we get to Nehemiah chapter three and we're like, whatever, right? It's like, no, no, no. A lot of times in the scripture, there's those crazy days and there's normal days, okay? There's crazy days and there's normal days, ordinary and extraordinary. There's days that are anointed and there's days that are annoying, 
Days that are anointed, days that are annoying. I know it. I know. And see, here's the thing. Most of the days are just regular, annoying days. Most days are regular, annoying days. And the truth of your life is that you will need to learn how to be faithful and do meaningful work in the regular, annoying days. And so how's it going for you? How's it going in the regular, everyday perseverance of being faithful to God's glory and God's mission? How's it going? Because we've been through a lot of crazy, extraordinary, hard days. And we're kind of now just back into the grind. We've been through three years of boring because you're trapped at home, but at least there was like crazy stuff on the news and updates about this, that, or the other thing, right? Or trying to figure out creative solutions to do whatever you're trying to do, you know? And here we are kind of back to normal life. And that was exciting at first, you know, no more lockdown, no more this, no more that, right? And it's kind of back to the average grind. And, you know, I, I do get this too, that, that, um, I think we're all a little bit tired from all, from it all. I think we're a little bit tired. So not only are we back to just regular old boring days, we're back to regular old boring days, tired, tired. And the truth is, if you do it with to God's glory, it's ultimately sacred and ultimately meaningful. And that's beautiful. And how do we as regular people with regular work do it to God's glory? How do we do that? Jesus is a guy, I don't know if you guys know, but he only has three years doing the crazy supernatural work of uh, the, his ministry life, right? Like we, the three years that we, that we are most famous for when he walks on water, when he multiplies the, the little boys, fishes and loaves and feeds the 5,000, when he, you know, raises other people from the dead, when he heals lepers, when he does all that stuff. <clears throat> That's only three years of his life. The rest of his life, he was just growing up, going, going to school, going to work, swinging a hammer, being a carpenter, or building roads or whatever. You know, there's a lot of speculations about exactly what type of work he was doing. But he's doing regular, meaningful work. And so most of his time was spent doing the regular work, right? And then he had a few years, just a few years, doing something truly wild and extraordinary. And so um, it's good and godly to do the regular work. And so go to work, make some money, go do something, go produce value for society. We don't need to just sit around and take the government's money. We can get to it, get active, get meaningful, and get producing something valuable and meaningful for the world. So be productive. And here it means digging holes, building fences, um, carrying stones around, uh, mixing concrete, pouring concrete, all that kind of stuff, right? Regular work by regular people, producing value ultimately for God's people and the city in which God's people dwell. And the cool thing is that everybody plays their part in the entire city for the most part. Everybody plays their part in the city to see it rebuilt, right? And that work, even though it's repetitive and boring, we're all doing it and it's all meaningful and it's all essential. And so we can all be friends in that work together. 
Some people, and you see this in verse five, right? And next to them, the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. Yikes. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be those whose name is in there for not doing the work and not serving their Lord. You do not want to be in that list. Um, Some people, and this is this is my opinion right here, is, is they have their own agenda, their own focus, their own preferences, and their own uh, comforts that they're trying to serve, and their own pride. You ultimately know it's arrogance and pride. They would not stoop to serve their Lord, right? The important thing is that we, as Trinity Life Church, as all these are three scattered in different regions, is that we align ourselves with God's mission and not just the idea of the mission and not just being around people who are doing the mission, but that we actively play our part all across the city to engage in the work that God is calling us to do. Each individual, each playing their part and doing it well. This reminds me of Romans chapter 5. All right. Now, here's another thing about reading the scriptures, right? Going back to those anointed or annoying Ordinary, extraordinary. Sometimes we forget too. Um, you can come go through like a really crazy part, like a really anointed part, a really extraordinary part, and then you flip the page, and actually ten years have gone by, right? And so um, a lot of times we we read the you know, people trying to um, in the church planting world love the book of Acts, right? They love the book of Acts because it's the story of the birth of the early church, right? And it's like page after page after page of like crazy, extraordinary, or anointed moments. Um, And sometimes you forget that you turn a page and it's like 10 years went by or 20 years went by, right? Or if you flip a page from uh, uh, the end of of Genesis, right? The end of Genesis to the beginning of Exodus, it's like, whoa, 400 years just went by, (laughs) right? Um, Or was that Exodus to, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure Genesis to Exodus, right? Um, it's like 400 years go by in one page. And there's a lot of ordinary days. There's a lot of regular days that go by, that flip by very quickly between those extraordinary moments. A lot of days where you just got to show up, go to work, swing the hammer, get the job done, go home, enjoy your family, you know, and, and just do the work. Um, so there you go. And so in here, we're going to see some leadership lessons. I hope our three leaders, this is encouraging for you, but everybody watching this video, you should be striving to be an R3 leader. Because what does that mean? It just means you're making disciples, right? And if you're making a disciple at Trinity Life Church, you are an R3 leader if you are making a disciple of Jesus here. And we have resources for you. We want to equip you. We want to empower you. We have spaces for you to join other people making disciples, to be equipped and to have relationships so that we can carry that burden for you. All right. And so one thing that we'll notice here already is uh, one lesson of leadership. And oftentimes the, the best leadership is done like this. We have singular headship and then plural leadership. There is a leader, right? Oftentimes businesses are structured like this with a CEO or an owner. And then there is delegated work to multiple levels of leaders underneath that who then also carry out the work 
and carry out the work through other people. And that is a biblical framework as well, as we see. Nehemiah and then a whole bunch of families scattered throughout the city. He's delegated the vision and the mission and they execute it in their local neighborhood, right? Remember, this is a city. This is a huge undertaking, huge production, huge amounts of leaders needed to jump on board to participate in the work. Right? And so some of them are named. Those are likely to be our three leaders, leaders of their household or family. There are some who are unnamed. Those are just the people under them doing work, either those families' servants or those families' kids or whatever, um, who are all helping to carry out the work. And so we have singular headship and plural leadership. Right In my home, we have singular headship, dad, and then we have plural leadership, mom and dad together, carrying out tasks and serving the rest. That's the kids. And that's how it works. Singular headship, plural leadership. That's how it works in the home. That's how it works in the church. <clears throat> and so uh, this is a good time to stop and say, well, where's Trinity Life Church going? Where are we going? What's the vision? Yeah, we've been broken. We've been battered. But what are we building? Where are we going and what are we building? We are currently one church in a really big city. The greater Toronto area, right? One big city. And essentially right now we kind of have four small churches scattered throughout that city, right? We have Midtown, Downtown, Scarborough, and the West End. <clears throat> and each region, you can call those four regions, right? Um, each region essentially will have elders and then elders who oversee multiple small uh, R3 uh, leaders, right? And then those R3 leaders are taking initiative and responsibility in relationship with people whom they are trying to release to also become R3 leaders. They're people who they're currently discipling right now to follow Jesus, right? So each region will hopefully turn into multiple regions, but is essentially right now each one R3 looking to grow R3s, or actually it's two R3s each at least, because usually it's a husband and a wife, each discipling men and women together. <clears throat> and those form together, those two R3s come together as a regional group. Um, and, uh, and those regional groups are looking to multiply and have relationship then across multiple regions. Okay. And each region will have elders, R3 leaders, and then people who are members of those R3s, right? And the elders, what's their job? And it's to shepherd the flock of God. That's how Peter states it in his letter to the churches, that they are to shepherd the flock of God. That is the primary purpose of an elder in a church, in a place. Because if you notice, uh, a lot of the letters are written to churches in a city. There's no, hey, this is the letter to Trinity Life Church or Trinity Grace Church or um, the Roman Catholic Church or the uh, or Stone Church or whatever church, right? No, it's like, hey, to the church in this place, because churches are meant for a place, right? And they're meant to be together, one church in that place. And so that's what Trinity Life Church is aiming to be, is one church in this city, with, plural, with singular headship, but plural leadership, plural delegated authority and leadership across that place, okay? With the elders shepherding the flock of God. And now each region, again, their responsibility uh, for the, is 
we'll have our three leaders and those are three leaders responsibility is to make disciples in their neighborhoods to engage locally in their neighborhood right and to uh and to make disciples okay now um oftentimes and where do we get this so here here we can skip ahead to like let's say verse 23 this comes up a couple times uh after them so that's you know the people whose names in the list before them uh, after them, Azariah, the son of Messiah, the son of Ananiah, repaired beside his own house. Sweet, man. Like, just do the work right there. Do the work with your neighbors. Do the work that's right in front of you, right across the street from you. Okay. Some, some people are going to focus regionally, right? And so our three leaders are going to get together across multiple regions. Some people, your job is just to focus right there on your neighborhood. Right. Some people will do the work. Uh, Trinity Life has traditionally always had a leadership team, a plurality of people leading the, you know, the kind of larger organization of Trinity Life Church. Um, and uh, and those people focus cross regionally. Right. We steward and develop and resources to to manage multiple teams of leaders and teams of people. Um, and that's where we're going. So what can we expect from there? Well, you want to, your leaders, you can expect them to both delegate and elevate, right? Uh, they're going to elevate people to higher responsibility by delegating them responsibility, tasks, and authority. <clears throat> so I used to do everything in R3, right? I would lead our prayer time, I would lead our uh, communion time, our response time, our um, uh, our giving time, you know, I'd lead the, the worship time, right? And so I used to do everything in, in our house through at that time, right? And uh, what what can that what doesn't that do? Well, it doesn't elevate anybody, and it doesn't delegate any responsibility. But our leaders should be delegating and elevating, right? Um, so what happened? Well, we created a system in which we could delegate and elevate uh, other people. Well, what happened then? Well, some people didn't like that, right? Some people didn't like because uh, whether they had a relationship with me or uh, the person who the task was delegated to, they didn't like them, or whatever it was, right? Because pride and personalities and differences and all these things happen, and it's a mess, and that's okay, right? Um, but this is ultimately, if things are going to grow, you need to delegate and elevate, right? You know? um, <clears throat> and if we're going to reach more people, and if your leaders who have a certain capacity uh, are going to reach more people, you're, you're going to want to allow them to delegate and to elevate other people to take over what they're doing so that they can expand and multiply the work. And so please allow your leader to delegate to you some responsibility and authority. Allow them to elevate other people so that the work can multiply, right? Because if one person is stuck doing everything all of the time, nothing can grow and no new people can come to faith. And no more people can be reached. And no cool, crazy, uh, above and beyond thing can be accomplished. Okay? And so embrace the change that comes along with delegating and elevating and honoring other people. Right? Uh, and there's two ways that we can grow a team, right? The, the team, can, it can be trained up from the inside. And so that's where you take someone that you have, you see some potential, they start to show some good character, and you start to give them small tasks to help them grow uh, their skills and abilities. 
um, to test their character. Are they faithful? Are they, do they have integrity? Will they show up or are they going to flake? Are they going to do it halfway? Are they going to do it all the way? Right? So you can train up from the inside um, or you can pull people in from the outside. Both happen here and both are necessary and good, right? There's people who come from all sorts of different regions who are participating, right? We got Gibeonites and Marathonites and we got, uh, and there you go. So there's there's a few different examples right there. Um, people come from outside the region. Come, people are raised up from the inside um, to do and accomplish the work. And the same thing happens in the church. You know, we want people to be raised up from the inside. And sometimes we're going to need extra help to go above and beyond to bring in fresh ideas to help give perspective. And so we bring in from the outside. <clears throat> um, and that's because the best teams are diverse teams. The best teams are diverse teams. We see that here. Some people are goldsmiths. Some people are merchants. Some people are uh, ditch diggers. Some people are the musicians. Some people are the business people. Some people are good at managing the supply chain. Some people are good at managing the policy. So we need some people to be the board of directors. We need some people to serve the kids. We need some people to make the food. We need some, right? We need diverse teams of people in skill and in perspective, um, in experience, um, all from people from different regions, right? And so this is all going to help give us a nice, diverse team in order to accomplish the work together, right? You may not like everybody on your team, and that's okay. Um, as long as you don't like them just because it's not, sorry, as long as it's not because you don't like them because they're different from you, right? Because purely not liking somebody for difference is not a good reason to not like them, okay? <clears throat> And even if you don't like somebody, you can love everybody. You can love everybody and treat all people like they are valued by God, right? We have young people here. We have old people here. We have men doing the work. We have women doing the work. The women are listed even amongst this list. What's also cool and what I love about this and what we can get better at at Trinity Life Church is creating a culture of honor for those engaging in and doing the work. He's creating a culture of honor. He's recorded their names in the Holy Scriptures. <laughs> How cool is that? They're in the book, man. They made it. They're here because they did the hard thing at the hard time, which was ultimately the right time. And they were faithful and they swung their hammer and they picked up their shovel and they dug that hole. And they planted the bolts and the bars. And in our day and age, in this culture, what's your, what do you think the leaning of our culture is? Is it towards a culture of honor or is it towards a culture of dishonor? And I would posit to you, that we live in a cult. I mean, just look, we live in a culture of YouTube comments, right? We live in a culture of YouTube comments. You'd be surprised at what people say in the YouTube comments if you don't know already, right? <clears throat> if you want, I, I even, I don't, I, <laughs> I suggest you just take my word on that one. You don't, you could research it if you want, but you may be disgusted. We live in a Twitter culture right? Of anonymity, complaining, insults. It's just horrible, right? We live in a culture that values dishonor and tearing things down rather than building things up, which is why 
Our culture is fraying at the edges and those edges are starting to rip and create fractures in towards the center of our culture. Because we're in a culture of dishonor, not honor. And so we can get much better as a church and as a people at creating a culture of honor for those doing the work. Because ultimately, here's the truth. We need you on Team Jesus. We need you participating in an R3, learning how to go up, in, and out, have a relationship with God, have a relationship with God's people, and how to engage society. That's all R3 means. This is not our way of doing things. These are not some fancy groups that we branded just for our church. It's just relationship with God, relationship with God's people, and relationship to society, right? Engaging your neighborhood. Uh, some people call this worship, community, and mission, right? So this is it's not some new thing. This is equal across most churches. They want you to worship God. They want you to be in community with God's people. And they want you to be on mission, doing evangelism, sharing the gospel, all that kind of stuff, right? It's just another way to articulate the same ancient faith that we have always been a part of, right? <clears throat> we need you participating in those things with others. We need to be friends in the work, we need you to not just be surviving your life where you're just getting a paycheck so you can pay the rent, do it all again tomorrow morning. We need you enjoying the godly mission that God has us on. Because God's already worked for you. Jesus, the eternal son of God, born from a virgin, lived a sinless, perfect life, right? performed miracles for three years, was hated by the religious elite, ultimately crucified on a cross in your place for your sins so that you could receive the abundant life of God and enter into his eternal mission. God has done the work for you so that he can do his work through you. And if that's the case, and if you're just starting to jump on board with this, and if you're enjoying where we're going so far as a church, what you will find is that leaders work out the plan. <clears throat> Sorry, leaders work on the plan, and everybody else works out the plan, right? And so it's okay. It's okay that leaders help assign you things to do. Because oftentimes the plan is years in the making, right? Years in the making. Or months in the making. That's months of praying, months of hope, months of gathering resources or fundraising, months of preparation, months of going back and forth, you know? And if it has anything to do with needing to liaise with the government, oh my gosh, right? Like the new common space that I'm in, that we're recording in, right? Months, years of planning, preparation, hope, seeing if things are legal, getting permits, doing X, Y, Z. And then it culminates in the leaders then having the plan and then people working out the plan. And so it's okay to let your leader tell you what to do. And so here's our plan. We're going to continue to engage neighborhoods. We're going to continue to teach people how to make disciples. We're going to continue to develop and raise up elders. We are going to continue to grow and multiply our threes across this city. We are going to continue to work together to network leaders 
in this city doing the real work together for equipping and relationship and training and resourcing. You didn't come up with that plan, but you get to participate and benefit from that plan. And you get to work out that plan. There's tons of work underneath the surface, tons of layers that go into the mission, the approach, the strategy, and the outworking uh, of Trinity Life Church. Sometimes you get to decide the plan. Sometimes you get to help. Sometimes you're invited in to help come up with the plan. So my R3 said, hey guys, here's the plan. We got to engage our neighborhood and we got to get better at making disciples together, right? And so we laid out a sheet of brown paper and everyone was invited to participate, whether they showed up or not, everyone was invited. We rolled out the brown paper and we said, all right, guys, what's the plan? We got a whole year. We drew each month on the piece of paper and we said, what are we doing this year? Let's dream big. Let's do it. What can we do? And we wrote down all our ideas right? We made the plan together. All right, if we put this in that place, that might be better balance than if we rammed them all together into one thing. And if we do this, maybe we should do something after that connects to it. We have something to invite somebody into and we create the plan all through the year, right? And so for the people who showed up, we created the plan. For those who didn't show up, they work out the plan, right? And it's okay that it's like that. Okay. Um, Now, let's talk about um, <laughs> the type of person. This is, so there's a leadership guru called, uh, his name is John Maxwell. Okay, uh, He's a Christian leadership guy, and he talks about four different kinds of people, right? Four different kinds of people. We got the cop-outs, the hold-outs, the drop-outs, and the all-outs, right? The cop-outs, they just don't show up, right? The hold-outs, they create excuses, right? The dropouts, they start and they stop whenever they feel like it. They're in, they're out, whatever, whoever, maybe sometimes, right? And then there's the all-outs. And the all-outs are right here in Nehemiah chapter 3. They are listed. These people are the all-outs. They are all in. They are all in. They got to create the plan and they worked out the plan. And they showed up every day swinging a hammer and digging a ditch. And it's ultimately the people that make it awesome or awful. Awesome or awful. See, you can can make it anointed or annoying to do the work of God. What type of person are you? And let me just talk about this for a second. When it comes to creating a plan and brainstorming, right? Help your leaders Dream big. Dream big and don't squash it. Don't squash it right away. Okay? Dream big. Make the plan. Don't come up with excuses. Don't be the cop out or the drop out. Be the all out. Be the all out. Because if you are, ultimately, your name is written in a book. Your name can be written in a book. For those who join Team Jesus and do the work, you know they're on Team Jesus when they're doing the work, your name's written in a book. And that book is referenced at the end. In Revelation, multiple times, it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And that's where our names are written, friend. And so let's be friends in the work together. Let's be friends 
in the work together. Guys, have fun working this out together in your R3s, okay? Your homework, create a plan for you to make disciples and engage your neighborhood. Create a plan for how to go from one R3, that's one person making disciples, to being five R3s. One R3 to five R3s. That means if you're uh, in a group of R3s where there's a husband and a wife couple, you need to learn how, you need to figure out and create a plan. How can you go from two R3s to 10 R3s? To 10 R3s. A lot of our groups are too big and it's your turn, folks. It's your turn, even though we're broken and we're battered and we've been through a lot. It's our turn to start building to start building because our food is to do the will of the father and accomplish his work. I want that for you. So work that out. That's your homework. How can you go from one R3 to five R3s or two R3s to 10 R3s? How can you start to make disciples? What do you need? What can we give you? How can we teach you? How can we care for you? Who can you reach? How are you going to do it? What events? What places? Where are you going to go? How are you going to do it? Let's create a plan. That's the homework. I hope you have fun working that out in your R3s. Love you guys. We'll see you next time.